You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 162. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son! Hey, son! Woo! Back with a regular segmented episode. Yes. Ooh, it's been a while. It has been a while, and it will show. We have a lot of things to talk about. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we should probably not linger on with the, of this uh, too, for too long with this uh, introduction and an old part of the of the show. Uh, but I have one thing to say, though, just because I want to. <laughs> we're, 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 <laughs> I just want to okay. point out, we in in episode 160, we interviewed Jay Novella and we focused very much on the future and what's going to happen now, etc. What we forgot mm-hmm. to mention is that if anybody is interested about the history of the Skeptics Guide and the history as given by, by Jay Novella, you can look up the, the series of interviews that Rob Palmer did for the Skeptical Inquirer. And we will mm-hmm. just include the, the links in the show notes. If people want mm-hmm. to go back and, and, and look at that. So. All right, Pontus, that, that was a useful addition. Thank you very yeah. much. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's move on and start the actual show with Yelena talking about someone or something that has some significance in the world of skepticism from this week. Um, I want to talk to you today about Italian dude. Let me just butcher his name real well. Giovanni Virginio Schiaparelli. Oh, I think I didn't do it. It wasn't bad. that. That bad. wasn't no, that bad. No. no, I think it was quite good. Um, so this Giovanni dude was born on the fourteenth of March, eighteen thirty-five, and he was an Italian astronomer and science historian. Mm. Now then, back in the day, they didn't have wonderful telescopes like for example Hubble telescope none of those things existed so people didn't really know what the planets looked like and as observatories with larger and larger telescopes were built around the world uh, people start looking out into the sky night sky and exploring new planets and what Giovanni did with one of his telescopes in his observatory in Milan he looked at the at Mars he was very very fascinated with Mars and he began mapping and naming areas on Mars and he basically just looked at what he saw which were mostly just shadows and some straight lines and kind of made some assumptions about what these things might be and he named Martian seas and continents with names from historic and mythological sources and he saw channels on Mars and called them canali. Canali means channels, but it was mistranslated into canals, implying that they were man-made, or in this case, Martian-made. Mm-hmm. But actually, <laughs> in fact, as we know now, this little tiny misunderstanding spread and other enthusiasts uh, of which one was a an American astronomer, Percival Lowell, he just took it and ran with it. And he's um, written a few books about Martians and Mars and these canals that were built by those aliens. And uh, he spent much of his life trying to prove the existence of, uh, existence of intelligent life on the Red Planet. And I'm sure he wasn't the last one. In fact, if, if we look 
hard enough. I'm sure we'll find a bunch of people who are still trying to prove uh, life on Mars, even now. Including scientists, yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> I don't know, what's so fascinating about... So what if there is life on Mars? Oh, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit... You don't find it fascinating? That would be fairly well, interesting, I must like, say. Okay, so if there is life on Mars, right, they haven't, they haven't made any effort to get in touch or indeed... You're visit. disappointed already with them. They they're, they're like, they're like Meh, there's this Earth. They probably know about us, right? And then they just think some Earth and some people but, living on there. Just but, but, like, but, hang on. Just... You're saying if there are microbes on Mars, they probably know about Earth. Well, okay. Maybe, maybe when I'm thinking about life on Mars, I think about uh, thinking and intelligent beings. You know, yeah, but I, th- I think we have to agree that at this point, uh, we are pretty much looking for something very primitive. I mean, not a technical civilization that, that we are looking for. If they want canals on, on Mars, we will have to go there and dig it for them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Well, so, but in any case, uh, this is what he started back in the day, uh, this kind of craze uh, that I'm, sh- I'm sure still continues to, to, to now. We now know there, are, there aren't any canals built by anyone. But we certainly have a really good idea of what Mars Mars's surface looks right now uh, today, mm-hmm. and then you could grow potatoes. No, oh, well, on, that let's... was a movie. That was a movie. That was a movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been tested for real yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. No. I, th- I thought it was. If it was made in Hollywood, it's mean, it means it's true. Ah, damn it. Oh. Um, well, it's a fairly it's a fairly scientific novel and a fi- fairly scientific <clears throat> uh, movie, The Martian. But we still have to prove it in real life. <laughs> there are very few issues with that movie, yeah. and and, uh, and the book, by the way. So it's it's more great important book. that it's, Regardless, it's all based it's on the book. book. Yeah. And I think I think the book was brilliant. I'll take your word. I haven't read. So I guess that's all I've got to say about the, uh, the um, Mr. Schiaparelli. Just that he caused this craze and misunderstanding about uh, life yeah. on Mars. And uh, <laughs> it's later have been proven not to be the case. As the science advances, it's uh, you know something we would expect. You, you know a lot about a lot of things, Andras. Wasn't there a theory... <laughs> Wasn't there a theory about what he actually saw in the microscope were the reflection of the yeah. blood vessels in his own eyeball? And that's why he thought it w- there were these canali. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've come across that, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if it's true, but, but it's an interesting It's like it's one of the speculations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be, yeah. <laughs> it's a very interesting theory. But the, the key thing about this whole thing is that have you ever looked through a telescope and see... Mars through a telescope. No, I haven't. No. It's worth worth giving it a try if you have the the opportunity at any time. Because well, it's 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 kind of a spiritual experience uh you go through. At first you expect something very spectacular to to be seen, but you won't see anything spectacular from Earth. Well, it's too fucking far, isn't it? <laughs> Martian it's not not only that, but Martian atmosphere is really thick in terms of the particles that that fly around so uh-huh. not in the th- in the terms that it's very high pressured and the amount of material it's full of shit and <laughs> it keeps circulating around so what you see from from outside is mostly clouds and dust okay. so you won't be able to see the surface from earth and to that comes added the earth's atmosphere as yeah, a dis- 
distorting effect. So <laughs> you definitely won't be able to see the surface of Mars from Earth, especially not with a telescope from 150 years ago. Okay. So, so where's the spiritual... Uh, it's just seeing a different planet through the telescope and knowing that it's a, it's a different planet. I tell you when I had a similar experience, when I finally, we, we got a decent camera, just normal with a, with a really good mm. zoom lens, and I zoomed on the, on the moon. You don't even have to have a telescope. Yeah, and it yeah. was amazing. You could see the craters. Yeah. I love that so much. It's, it's brilliant when you see, see the yeah. shadows on the sides of the craters and how the, how the, the, the shadows are situated compared to the actual craters. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It keeps giving me shivers when I do that. Okay. It's fascinating stuff. Thank you very much, Yelena. And we're now moving on to uh, the, the the next segment, which is when Pontus finally pokes the Pope again. Yes, of course. There's lots of developments to catch up with, mostly about sex. Mm-hmm. Also, Francis wants to make sure that we know he's not a feminist. Big shocker. Though, but we haven't we haven't poked the Pope for a while because I was away for episode one fifty nine and then we had two interview episodes after that. So it's almost been a month. And what a month it has been. The last time we saw our hero, he had just finally kicked out the former cardinal and archbishop of Washington DC, a certain Theodore McCarrick, for being too much of a pedophile even for the Catholic Church. This was expected. Even for the Catholic Church. Even for the Catholic Church. This was very much expected because everybody agreed that Francis needed to get rid of this embarrassment before the long-awaited Summit of Bishops in February, which was uh, end of February, 21st to 24th. This summit was created by Francis to solve all the problems that they were supposed to fix in the previous a synod in October, or was it September? I can't. In October, I think it was, and but unfortunately, that didn't manage to to solve anything. And they want to solve all the problems with the uh, abuse scandals, of course. All right. So, how did it go in in February in the summit? Well, I'm sorry, and uh, nobody's, I think, uh, surprised. But as far as I can tell, they didn't accomplish much. Francis did, however graciously invite 10 women to join the 190 bishops on the summit. But then it seemed like he regretted that and had to apologize for that. So after the first woman had spoken, a Dr. Linda Ghisoni, he felt he had to point out that inviting women to the meeting did not mean that he condoned any form of feminism in the church. So he said, quote, right after the woman had spoken. She, he came on stage and he said, and I quote, feminism is just machismo with a skirt. So uh, none of that. Thank you very much. So he, he doesn't, because feminism is not good, because it's just like machismo. But It's, it's almost impossible to believe that such a character <laughs> who, uh, yeah, because he's portrayed always as this very nice man who's, who's very polite even. and mm. very progressive, and he says something like that. Stupid and we, we know for sure that it it has been said, right? So, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, there are video. Is it com- <laughs> okay? Oh wow, wow! <laughs> All right, and then he went on to rant about an hour about how child abuse actually is just as common in family homes as in the Catholic Church. 
Now, fuck off. As if that has anything to do with anything. He's just pointing over there and saying, hey, you're you're just as bad as we are, so it shouldn't be a, a thing. And also family. In other occasions, he's talking about these families uh, and the family values, and the family is the best that there is. But now then he points out that, well, there's a lot of child abuse everywhere. Yeah, and I, if, uh, if, if you're putting it on a vague scale of, of uh, or aspect, obviously he's right because child abuse can take many forms. Yeah, of course. So doesn't excuse any of abuse, doesn't, doesn't excuse any of the priests though that that no. others are doing the same thing. Oh yeah. <sighs> well, anyway, a couple of days later, Cardinal Pell was in the news again. Cardinal Pell of Tim Minchin fame and regarded as at least previously regarded as the third most powerful person in the church. Yeah, that Cardinal Pell. Poor Georgie Pell. He received his first sentence on the 26th of February on five counts for abusing two choir boys that he caught testing some of the communion wine without permission in the sacristy. What do you think you'd do when you find that two 13-year-olds have found the communion wine and, and, and you can't help testing it? You pull down your pants. That's what you do. And say, now that you've stolen the the, the wine, you have to suck my dick. That's basically what happened. And now he's convicted for doing that. Fucking appalling. Fucking appalling. Jesus Jesus fucking Christ, that's what I say. He he did it in front of Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Probably. Because he's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's there on the cross in front of him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just saying. So now Cardinal Pell, or for, well, he's still a cardinal, I guess. Uh, he's now appealing this on a technicality, but uh, he couldn't get any bail to be allowed. So in the meanwhile, he is now in custody, which is great. I didn't actually think he would go is to jail first? at all. Sorry? I mean, is he is he the first person to have ever been in custody for for that no, I don't. Maybe he's the. I, no, I don't think so. But I think okay. he's the first cardinal in modern times to be in custody for that. Okay. Yeah. But, right. but I haven't researched. But I, that's what I think. And there right. will be another sentence in a separate trial that will be, and the the sentence will be announced in uh, a couple of days as we record this. So maybe it's out already when you hear this. We will follow that. And uh, to move on, in related news, and you, I swear you can't make this up, uh, the French Cardinal Philippe Barbarin on 7th of March said he will hand over his resignation to Francis because uh, he's been convicted in court for failing to have reported a known pedophile priest uh, to the police. And this abuse that this Barbarin knew about has been going on since the 70s. And of course, what they do is they just re- they just move that person around so he can abuse people in other places. Pope Francis commented on that in a related statement and calling Barbarin brave. Brave. The, the guy is brave for having not having the guts to stand up against abuse of children that's been going on for 40 years. Yeah, uh, isn't that obvious that it's brave? Very, very brave. The word "brave" has been misused terribly. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
in, yeah, the, I would say in so. the latest history. <laughs> and now by the Pope. So this is very tough. All of these affairs are very tough uh, on Paul Francis. He went on to an, on another statement to complain about the hardship that these cases of abuse have brought on the church. Not, not on the children, about the church. Oh, so he said, and I quote... Church. I feel that I should share with you the pain and unbearable suffering that have been brought upon the entire ecclesial body following the wave of scandals that are now filling the newspapers of the entire world. So the publicity is bad and it brings him pain and unbearable suffering. And that's what he complains about. Anyway, uh, we all know what I think about the Pope by now. I could go on. Uh, into more details, but uh, instead, yeah. or or you could play another Tim Minchin song, "Fuck the Motherfucker." Yeah, fuck the motherfucking Pope. Yep, we can do that. Actually, it works with this Pope as well, as almost as well as with the Pope that it's it was written for. <laughs> yeah. So was it written for for Benedict? Or? It was. It, it was written for Pope Benedict. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I will not go on about the Pope anymore. We have a lot of news items, but I will leave no less than eight links in the show notes for people who want to, <laughs> to look it up for themselves and, and look at the nasty details about the Pope. You should really think about starting a new podcast about just about the Pope. All right. Thank you very much, Pontus. All right. Okay. We have a whole lot of things to talk about. So what we're moving on to is our news items segment. Okay, there are a lot of things uh, that research has been done on. And uh, there is is one thing that excites everyone and interests everyone because we want to know the answer about vaccines and autism. Mm. Well, a plethora of pieces of research have already been done on it, concluding that there is no link whatsoever between measles, MMR, or any other kind of vaccine and autism or similar conditions. A recent study that uh, has recently been uh, published in the, the Annals of Internal Medicine, published by Danish researchers, found that the evidence is even more strong than we previously believed that there is absolutely no connection whatsoever. The interesting part is that uh, these Danish researchers, they already disproved the link in 2002 in a different paper. But now, this time, they worked with a massive number of children on the Danish population registry. So they worked with medical data available on their vaccination history and their diagnosis so 650,000 children and their data were involved in this study with 6,517 cases of autism altogether. And uh, they controlled for all the different factors and they found that there is absolutely no link whatsoever. So I don't go into much, much more detail because we have a lot of other things to, to, to mention as well. This sounds a little bit redundant to publish yet another yeah. of these uh, papers. But uh, think of 
homeopathy, for example. It's been proven many, many times over that it doesn't work and still research is being done on it. So yeah. uh, I think the more certain we can be, the better. But uh, after a while, we just have to move on and try to tackle the, the actual issues that disregarding the lack of uh, link between autism and uh, vaccines, what, what it leads to. Yeah. Or what you really want to say, Andras, is that science has still not found the link between uh, vaccines and autism. Yes. <laughs> yes. So worthless right. science. They've been looking and looking and they just can't find it. Must be something <laughs> wrong with science. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. In short related news, Iceland has been very, very spared from measles because they are very good at using vaccines in, in Iceland. But even there, mm -hmm. there's been a recent measles epidemic. Epidemic, it's only four cases so far. And it's been brought on by uh, travelers from abroad. So e even poor Iceland is now being reached by, by the measles mm. epidemic that, as you all know, is going on all over the world. Yeah, and it's uh, largely thanks to this one man, Andrew Wakefield, and he started propagating this, uh, this absolutely silly idea just because of his uh, hoped financial gain in um, uh, his own vaccine on the market. Even though he has been thrown out of um, the registry of uh, physicians, he's still propagating this, uh, this silliness. And one of the ways he does that is through a movie that is called Vaxxed, from cover-up to catastrophe. And terribly, this uh, movie was available on... Uh, several different media sharing or media streaming services, including Amazon Prime. The, C the CNN um, did a little bit of um, a report not too long ago. And soon after that, Jeff Bezos, the, uh, the CEO of Amazon, uh, wrote an open letter saying that he's concerned that Amazon is surfacing and recommending anti-vaccination books and movies. So they uh, took down the videos that were available for Prime subscribers and they're not available for them right now, uh, including other anti-vaccination materials. But apparently it has only been taken down in the US. Hmm. So I did a little bit of uh, research, I looked around and uh, Amazon is present in six countries in Europe. The UK, Germany, France, uh, Spain, Italy, and the Netherlands. But because in the Netherlands, they only sell Kindle books and stuff like that, so it's not included. And uh, I couldn't find any uh, of, of that uh, video material on there. So I looked on the other five. Well, I have to say that I'm not happy. In the UK, it's available on a DVD. In Deutschland, in, in Germany... You can buy the DVD. It's on a Prime Video as well. Oh, so you can and stream it's available. it. Yeah. Yes, and it's available as a book. Oh. What? Yes, and not only that, if you, if you search for Vaxxed on the German uh, Amazon page, you'll find a lot of anti-vaccination material there. In France, some form or another, it is still present. Mostly the German editions are available uh, in the French store. In Spain, the DVD is available only in English and German, but 
it becomes the most interesting in case of Italy. The DVD is the only thing available in English. I don't know if you use Amazon, but... Uh, I do, yeah. Okay. You know that, uh, that marker that says Amazon's Choice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's basically a recommendation by Amazon. Wow. Oh, wow. Poor, and poor, 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 in, poor. In the Italian Amazon store, it's put next to it. All right. Mm. Okay. So it's marked as Amazon's Choice. So fuck you, Amazon. Well, I think it's done somewhat automatically. I don't think there there was a lot of thought involved, but still it's pretty poor. No, if you do this, you do it right. So, And if you want to do it right, you have to get rid of it everywhere. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that that Jeff Bezos has the power to tell all the different branches all over the world. He might have a power, but but does he actually care? Well, he portrayed himself as the one who cares. This is where the whole thing came from and this is this is why he took it down or, or he he made the company take the, these materials down yeah. but only went halfway so europe is still flooded with this shit yeah it's, it's kind of job half done isn't it half fast exactly yeah yeah in italy the vaccine resistance is very very high so i think it just reflects people don't want to vaccinate they want the anti-vax propaganda and that shows up in the store and uh, we have to add that even the government po- government's policies yes are su- are in support of that yeah the current italian government is terrible in that regard yeah and then that also goes to show why we have 2500 uh, measles cases in italy last year yeah so well done amazon but please keep going yeah, yeah <laughs> don't yeah. stop there <laughs> yeah it's just a little bit well, well, well. so um uh, facebook announced on, on thursday that it's um diminishing the reach of anti-vaccine information on its platform and uh, it will no longer allow um for this content to be promoted and try to make it less prominent in search results how are they gonna do that well actually hmm they probably oh. can do that very easily because Facebook is Facebook. Anyways, so they they all of a sudden worried that people get all their information from Facebook, not just news. You know how we used to say, oh, I get all my news from Facebook. Now it's just everything, all the life views and what to do when you have kids, whether vaccinate them or not. And so they thought, ah, hang on a minute, people are getting all these um views about vaccination and not vaccinating their kids and of course there's hundreds of groups to join anti-vaccination groups if you wanted to i guess like anywhere on the internet but anyways so they're gonna crack down on it and like i said i'll believe it when i see it we'll see if it makes a difference i still think it's not the solution or not the right solution the right solution is educate people about vaccinations Mm. not to stop this spread of, of misinformation no, I think I think you have to do both. Well, you know what the uh, the crackdown on anti-vaccination on Facebook will mean. It means that the anti-vaxxers will go, "Oh my god, you know, you see this big pharma confirming and the, the conspiracy whole thing will just explode yeah. even more." This is a very very inefficient way to do things. And I always will maintain that. Just like saying people not to say certain things will not stop people saying certain things but makes them go underground and create blah blah. blah. It's all just it's a bullshit way to deal with problems. But it's not about uh, shutting them up. It's about not giving them a platform based on their popularity. Yeah, you don't have so, to promote because, it. 
right? Yeah. So what, what Facebook now does is that based on their own popularity, based on the uh, traffic that they generate, and I'm not only, it's, it's all the interactions that it generates because of the emotional side of it. So people, people react to it very emotionally. So what Facebook is planning to do with this, they will not use the algorithm based solely on those interactions and the traffic but they will see the content and they say, okay, this content is not to be massively promoted just because it's popular. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see, we'll goes. see, we'll yeah. see. How effective and how, how they're going to do it. So um, what, if, if you had said that Facebook is censoring these and they are blocking all this content, then I would have agreed with you that it would, it would have had the, that kind of effect that you said you fear. But uh, this this way, I don't think it's, it is the case. All right, so we'll leave the measles behind for a while and talk about colloidal silver instead. There is an alternative health practitioner in Jönköping, city of Jönköping in Sweden, who has been revealed to encourage parents of a six-year-old boy to treat him with colloidal silver. Uh, you know what colloidal silver is, right? It's um, It's water with silver particles and silver ions in it and believed by many to have health effects curing everything from eczema to Ebola or cancer or whatever you can make up. Basically a cure-all and we know what we think about cure-all. If it says it cures everything, it probably doesn't cure anything. Now, in Sweden, colloidal silver is not approved for human consumption, so it's being sold instead as a cleaning agent. Uh, strangely enough, on the label of the bottles, and I verified this, they have instructions uh, which recommends an appropriate dilution before swallowing. So uh, go figure, that's a strange uh, cleaning agent that you swallow. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so listeners with good memory may recognize from January 2018 that a Nordic e-commerce and chain of stores called Life got the Swedish Skeptics Anti-Award for 2017. Uh, they have about this Life uh, chain, they have about 100 stores and uh, they have a reported turnover about 100 million euros. So it's big business. They sell only supplements, crystal lamps, multivitamins and other alternative woo. But nothing among their products actually do anything for a healthy person or even for a sick person, I think. This chain, Life, has now, as a consequence of the scandal about the alternative health practitioner, they have uh, now declared that uh, they will no longer sell colloidal silver. Which is very, very good because this is one of the easiest way to get colloidal silver in, in Sweden and it's you, do, you don't have to have colloidal silver for anything really it doesn't it's not a very good cleaning agent even so <laughs> so now life has uh, gone out and suddenly claimed that colloidal silver does not have a place in quote health and wellness well that's very strange that they say that because we the skeptics in Sweden have been telling them that for years but nothing has happened but anyway, the alternative uh, practitioner guy is now facing a police investigation, which is good. But the even better thing is that it will now be much harder to uh, get hold of colloidal silver in Sweden. Nice. Mm. Nice. I applaud that. Mm? Uh, so this is the latest report on the Cancer Crown 
funding that BBC published recently. Uh, they've just talked about one story, but we are aware of more than one and have heard in our life uh, and probably also in our personal examples of people trying to raise money for cancer treatments. And in this instance, the cancer treatment was an alternative clinic in Germany that uh, was of a very suspicious origin or indeed the treatments provided by that uh, clinic were were not real uh, therapies. So it's a German clinic called the Halwang, Halwang that offers alternative therapies uh, such as ozone treatment uh, vitamin infusion, homeopathy, and other very questionable or indeed useless uh, therapies to treat anything, let alone cancer. And the story covers um, one young girl, Gemma Nuttall, who developed cancer, and then her family raised thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds on, on crowdfunding website to basically sent her to this clinic several times and each of these trips cost around 80,000 pounds. Wow. It, it was insane. In fact, the actress, the famous actress Kate Winslet got involved in this campaign. The story got that hyped up that she promoted the website. Oh I don't know if Kate Winslet, I don't know if Kate Winslet actually knows what she's done. But, you know, any time that you get a, a Hollywood actress or actor involved, it's bad news. They should just act. I don't understand why yeah. they're getting involved in stuff why like... Why do they think they know anything about uh, anything, uh, really? Yeah. Fuck them. So, basically, after going to this clinic several times, the treatments were all to no avail. And uh, she, uh, this lady, young lady, has passed away. Wow. Now, you know, the mom speculates whether should, they should, instead of spending this countless amount of money and effort, they, they should have just probably, you know, done a bucket list and went traveling and did whatever her daughter wanted to do before her death, rather than trying desperately to basically cling to straws, which I guess is, you know, one way to, to look at it, but it is what it is at the moment. I couldn't find any good information about that clinic at all online. In fact, there was uh, another article published elsewhere saying that after doing an investigation, they couldn't even find the names of doctors, if there are any doctors indeed, because uh, in, wow. or, or, who ran, or who runs the clinic. Wow. There is nothing available for public consumption to give you any uh, peace of mind on qualifications of, of staff there. They obviously discourage everybody who goes there to engage with uh, media. And they publish very select reviews, as you can probably imagine, on their website of their services. All red flags. No lack of transparency, some questionable therapies and uh, enormous, like just prices through the roof. So, but again, it's playing to the desperate gullible well i don't want to say gullible but the desperate people yeah, uh, yeah they're preying on hand. desperate people that's yeah so the, who are ha ha happy to pay anything just another story unfortunately all right but i haven't actually heard about that cleaning so that's a new one for me hmm. um hmm. before i never i know i'll never forget that the first skeptical thing that i was taught was from my father and I only realized this when I became a full-blown skeptic uh, that he would always say that, don't forget, my son, that 
what people can make the most money out of is human suffering and human stupidity. Mm. Yeah, still stands, yeah. Yeah, and I'm so proud of him that he could never exploit that. Mm. <laughs> he would always stop and not do anything of that sort. He wasn't necessarily successful because of it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And for me to have such a father. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I don't think Kate Winslet was the only celebrity who testified for this clinic. But what is so horrendous, I don't think the celebrity realize what kind of damage they do. But these no. clinics and, and clinics like that and treatments and, and all these different therapies and uh, pro- providers of alternative therapy, they, they obviously realized that it's going to boost their business and they're just engaging this celebrity yeah. left, right and center, of which, of course, the, the most famous one we know, Gwyneth Paltrow. But uh, the amount of damage that does is just unbelievable. Yeah. But luckily, we have uh, some celebrities that do realize and they, they do demonstrate how important it is not to take your, your medical advice from a celebrity. Do you remember that one with uh, Anne Hathaway? Yeah. Have you seen that, Jelena? I look. I don't. I really am a, a big advocate for for celebrities. Just do not talk about anything other than their own acting. You're right. But but have you have you seen what Anne Hathaway did on on Ellen DeGeneres' show? N- no. You should look it up. It was great. Yeah. It was fantastic. Look it up. She fooled everybody to stick oranges up their face in the audience, and then it to- she told them. Why do you do this? You should not listen to celebrities. I'm just pulling your leg. You're idiots. She said that you should not put anything in your mouth just because a celebrity said so. Or anywhere else. Or anywhere else. Well, yeah. As we know yeah. that they do do that, don't they? They yeah. put it even... Yeah, anyway. Yeah, but it was a good lesson for everyone. Ah, okay. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> All right. I have some more good news from Sweden, actually. Oui. Nice. Okay. Uh, this is the day we've all been waiting for, at least uh, the skeptics in Sweden. I've talked several times about something called Vidarkliniken, which is... Yeah, an, I remember. Yeah, it's an anthroposophical clinic just south oh, of Oh, yes, Stockholm. we know about anthroposophical clinics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For years, they have had an exemption from the ban of treating patients with homeopathy and other herbal not-approved medicines. It's been allowed for them to do it as long as they also provide real medicine at the same time. But it was decided in 2017 to phase out their exemption. And in addition, at the same time, they got busted for not keeping their patient journals properly and other irregularities. After that, several public health regions in Sweden cancelled their contract with them. And now Vida Kliniken is closing down their main business in April due to financial difficulties. Oh, poor them. They Poor them, yeah. <laughs> quite, quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> they will, however, be open for some limited, non-publicly funded consultations going forward. But it is a big win for science-based health care in, in Sweden, if only long overdue. I, I'm really, mm-hmm. really happy about this. I didn't think it would happen this quickly, but I'm very happy to see them go. Mm. Okay, I'm going to bring down the mood Mm. because there is something that that will go in Hungary as well. Oh, no. Soon after, uh, the University of Central Europe is basically gone. 
it was it was a, a university uh, funded by George Soros, obviously. <laughs> and uh, now it's the Hungarian Academy of Sciences that is in the focus of the government. Mm. You have mentioned that before, so yes, but now the, who? Yeah, it is. It is happening finally. I mean, mm. not finally. Not it finally, but, if, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of days ago. The government, and especially the Innovations and Technology Minister, uh, Laszlo Parkovic, announced uh, in a joint announcement with the president of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences, Laszlo Lovas, that they reached an agreement. Well, that was a forced agreement, I have to say. So I'm pretty sure that Laszlo Lovas would not have agreed to that if he had seen any way out of this. But uh, there was none. So they reached an agreement to separate the science research network from the academy's teaching institutions. That's what the New York Times says, and it basically is what it is. To to explain it in a little bit more detail, we are talking about 5,000 people who work as researchers under the control of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences. So um, the academy controls and manages research institutions, they have a control over the actual infrastructure as well. And they give the, the research directions. They uh, determine what research to be funded and whatnot. And there is the, the members assembly as well. And the members assembly can discuss uh, a future directions. And you know, there, there are initiatives uh, that are brought up uh, at the assembly meetings and stuff like that. So, it's been basically the strong center of scientific research since the foundation of the academy in 1825. Originally, it was funded by one person, a member of parliament, who's called the greatest Hungarian, Istvan <laughs> Széchenyi, for offering one year worth of uh, his income to establish Science Institute of Hungary. So what, what a thing to do. And now the, the Orban government is bringing it down. So why, why this could happen is because it, it has always been government money since then, but the government never told the academy what to spend that money on. It was independently decided by the academy and, the, and its members themselves. So this is what gave science the freedom. The scientists themselves decided the, the right way and not politicians. And from now on, the academy will be funded in a way, but the research institutions will be taken away from the academy and there will be kind of um, a management body that will decide what research to fund and what not to fund. They say that uh, members of the academy will be included in that decision-making, but I am quite sceptical, based on what we know about Orban's government and their ways. So we are basically preparing for the funeral of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences because it's not going to be the same thing anymore. The, the independence and freedom of scientific research has been jeopardized, and it's it's going to be in the control of the government from now on. Wow. Bad news. Yes, it is. And let me say something else about this. 
since we got in touch with uh, Susan Gerbic and Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia, one of the things that I've learned to be very fascinated by and learned to use uh, quite extensively is uh, page view statistics on Wikipedia. And I wanted to know if uh, there has been a rise in interest about the Hungarian Academy of Sciences in Hungary in the recent month. Well, there was a little bit of a peak. It about tripled for a couple of days, but it still hasn't reached 800 views per day. So this is how uninterested people are in the independence of science and what goes on with the, the Hungarian Academy of Sciences. And this probably gives us a picture of how elitist it is to be caring for science. So most of society doesn't really care about science. They don't give a shit. They don't know anything about how it works. And if it's being distorted or it's being completely suffocated, they just don't even know. Hmm. They don't notice. Interesting. Hmm. Worrying, actually. Sorry for bringing that in the mood again. All right. So, next item. We have mentioned the big publishing giant Elsevier several times mm -hmm. over the years and how they virtually have a monopoly when it comes to certain medical research papers and how that is a problem. And the problem is that they can and do charge an arm and a leg for access to these uh, important papers, which, of course, we want to be as freely accessible as possible for the public, but also for other researchers. We have reported before that uh, the extreme pricing of Elsevier has led to conflicts with several European institutions, mostly in Germany, Sweden and in other places. And they have cancelled their products with, uh, with Elsevier, whose main headquarters are in the Netherlands. Now it seems that the conflict is spreading also to the US, where lately the U University of California has declared that they are now boycotting Elsevier as well, and they have refused to renew their contract with them. So the, the conflict escalates, and we will continue to follow the development, and we hope that there eventually will be a new model emerging where we can have more like an open access situation to, to research papers, because this is a systematic problem in science at the moment. So we'll see what happens, but it's interesting to follow. Yeah. Uh, I think it's time for me to um, bring in a very positive kind of uh, news item from Hungary as well. <laughs> so while the Hungarian Academy of Sciences is being dismantled, the Hungarian government is supporting something that has been initiated by the Chamber of um, Hungarian Pharmacists and uh, some other similar bodies. And it is that whenever pharmacies sell homeopathic products to patients, they have to indicate that it has not been proven to work. Ha, huh, good. So you can buy this pill, but it doesn't work. Great. Exactly. So yeah, the, uh, the original fair. idea like is that. that it's properly informing the patients uh the thing is that it's they're basically recommendations not new rules or it's not mandatory in a way uh -huh. but because all these bodies have agreed to accept this it it will 
happen. So, but I'm I'm a little bit skeptical at this point. So I will come back and report on on how it has been implemented. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's um That's it's an interesting uh, interesting move. Yeah, I think. Very good. Yeah. Okay, and uh, on that positive note, I think uh, we should be moving on to something that might have a, a slightly positive side to it as well. When uh, Pontus, you will have a really right instead of a really wrong. That is right, and uh, from a surprising source as well, the Daily Mail. Daily Mail. The Daily Mail. Is that for sure? We have almost used Daily Mail as a synonym for fake stories, Uh, but they actually published a very good scientifically based article on second of March, and maybe it's the first time they did it. I don't know, but uh, I think they need to be recognized for it. This is about how a lot of misinformation is spread on the internet about statins. It's often done by people with doctor to their names. Uh, These so-called statin deniers are spreading unscientific nonsense about statins, which are prescribed to lower the risk of cardiovascular problems, such as heart attacks, Mm -hmm. if you're in a risk group, that is. So these statin deniers, they they claim that the real risks and benefits of statins for people with high level of so-called bad cholesterol are hidden or misrepresented because of Big Pharma, who wants to push the sales of these statins. Uh, And this is all total BS, because statins Mm -hmm. actually has been proven to work very well to reduce cardiovascular problems for people who are in this specific risk groups. And in my view, not being a doctor, of course, don't take medical advice from from us, but uh, it's a very good article. Uh, It's easy to read, and as far as I can tell, pretty right on the money. So uh, for once... Kudos to the Daily Mail. <laughs> and who would ever think that I would have said that sentence? But credit where credit is due. The Daily Mail for actually, and for once, publishing a really good article in the health section gets today's prize for being really right. Doesn't that just give you hope? Yes. In the world. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I had to double check it twice, but um, yeah, it's it, really good. What? Daily Mail? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just goes to That's show good. they don't know what the hell they're publishing. <laughs> but but when it's good, it's good. Yeah, for once, they, they got it right. By, okay. by mistake, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. What matters is that, that they did get it right. Okay. Thank you very much, Pontus. And to conclude the show, it's always uh, something that we we love. It's a quote. Yes, 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 yes. So, Yelena, have you got a quote for us? Yes, 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 yes. Si, si, signora, signore. From Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, yeah, it is in Italian. Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci. Experiment is the interpreter of nature. Experiments never deceive. It is our judgment which sometimes deceives itself because it expects results which experiment refuses. We must consult experiment varying the circumstances until we have deduced general rules. For experiment alone can furnish reliable rules. Mm. Leonardo da Vinci. Nice. Leonardo da Vinci. Ah, so this seems to be a theme, an Italian theme. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I mean, of course, you can make experiments that are not properly set up, so you you get fooled of that. But I get what he's saying, and it's you have to test mm-hmm. things. You can't just sit around and think 
and and believe that you know everything about the truth. You have to test things, and I think that's what he's after. Mm -hmm. And, by the way, Leonardo da Vinci is the topic of the latest book by Massimo Massimo! Yes. Massimo, yeah, he's fascinated. He's fascinated yes. by uh, the works of Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, so the title of the book, translated into English, is "Disciple of Experience." Yeah. So, uh, and he has produced a couple of videos as well. So, yeah, is uh, and he's giving talks about about that topic. He, he was fascinating, Leonardo da Vinci, and and the way he thought back five hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh, Really good. So, thank you very much. Thanks, Yelena, for the quote. Thanks, and guys. Indeed, thank you very much to both of you for joining me today. It's been fun. We're going to try to get back to alternating the, the different kinds of episodes. Uh, so, thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Thank you. And thank until you. next week, goodbye. Bye bye. Ciao. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe I don't want to offend you, Pontus, but Pope looks a little bit like you when you smile. <laughs> it will what? be revealed in episode 1005 like this. that I am the Pope. Oh. Fucking hell. All right. Uh, it's a democratic podcast uh, and we can say whatever we want. I'm not wearing underwear today. I'm not wearing underwear today. Anyway. Thanks for the information. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a song from Avenue Q. Ah, you don't know. Ah, okay. I tell okay. you who would know. Pixie would know. Oh, let's bring her back. Segway that if you can, Andros. Sorry, I have, to, I, have to, I have to stop my mind for a moment. Restart. Yeah, shouldn't be a problem. <laughs>